This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I certainly did. Happy to be back, though. Happy Black Friday. As you ponder all those shopping deals you're going to be taking advantage of today or uh, praying that the Jets manage to stave off defeat this week, I appreciate you spending a few hours with me. We're going to get it started with Ask Frank Anything in just a moment. If you have uh, questions about any subject at all, you can give me a, a call at 1-800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222, and we'll have some prizes for whomever comes up with the best question. I guess the big news in the last uh, 24 hours, or really the last, uh, I don't know, I left the airwaves at 7 a.m. when I was doing sit-in friends. The big news since I left the airwaves is the news that Mayor Eric Adams has been accused of a 1993 sexual assault. This is under a New York law that's set to expire this week. The plaintiff was purportedly sexually assaulted by Mayor Adams in 1993 while they both worked for the city of New York. That's what the paperwork said in New York County Supreme Court. The filing claims sexual assault, battery and employment discrimination, retaliation, hostile work environment, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. You can take everything that I said about State Senator Kevin Parker two days ago and play it back and just replace the name Kevin Parker with the name Eric Adams. I mean, Eric Adams, as far as we know, doesn't have the history of violent outbursts, the history of a poor temper that Mayor, that uh, State Senator Kevin Parker does. But the bottom line is no one is ever going to know if these allegations from 30 years ago are true. Nobody. There's no way to prove it, and there's a reason there's a statute of limitations. This law, the New York Adult Survivors Act, which the sponsors are talking about extending, this should never have been passed, and it should absolutely not be extended. There's a statute of, limit of limitations for a reason. And my fear is, is that if these lawsuits are all successful, the Kevin Parker lawsuit, the Eric Adams lawsuit, and by the way, I have no idea if any of these people are guilty or innocent or somewhere in between, that this is going to cause more people to hold back on uh, doing, on coming forward to the authorities if they are sexually assaulted in the hopes that 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now, they'll get a payday because they're going to bet this law is going to be extended. It's bad news, and uh, I don't like this law one bit, but it is the law, so we'll see what happens. To be continued. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. 
the other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me on this Black Friday. You could be spending your morning with any radio show, and I am flattered that you're choosing to spend it with me. By now, I'm sure a lot of you have heard about the case of Stuart Seldowitz. Stuart Seldowitz was a key political operative. He was involved in Gotham government relations. He at one time was a security advisor to Barack Obama, 64 years old, and in a series of videos that have gone viral, he basically uh, harassed a vendor, a halal food vendor in Manhattan, calling him a terrorist. If you haven't seen the videos, in several videos, Seldowitz was shown photographing the vendor, threatening to send his picture to friends in immigration and making Islamophobic remarks. In one clip, Seldowitz calls the vendor ignorant for not speaking English and goes on to make derisive comments about Islam's founder, the Prophet Muhammad. In another, after a brief interaction about children being killed, Seldowitz says, quote, if we killed 4,000 Palestinian kids, you know what? It wasn't enough. Now, these remarks are reprehensible. Unfortunately, that's the kind of thing that I've heard from a lot of callers and even from a couple of the guests that we've had. There's no question this guy is a jerk. This guy is a racist. This guy is very prejudiced. This guy is an Islamophobe in every sense of the word. But he's been arrested. He has been arrested. This, this guy is a total jerk, but converting being a jerk into a hate crime continues this tit-for-tat spiral of trumped-up identity grievances, whether Islamophobia or anti-Semitism, and I'd be saying the same thing if he was making anti-Jewish remarks here. The logic underpinning this hate crime law is a total farce. Hate crime statutes are absurdly broad, and they essentially require mind reading of the accused. And it gives prosecutors an infinitely bendable tool to arrest and charge people, often in response to political pressure. And that's true whether you, uh, whether or not you think one particular guy was asking for it or not. So um, we'll see where this goes. Clearly, this guy is uh, a few votes short of a full electoral college, but. I, uh, if you're a champion of the First Amendment, I think you have to hope that he is not convicted of this. There is a First Amendment for a reason. Yes, free speech is hate speech at times. And as long as he didn't assault this guy, as long as he didn't shove him, as long as he didn't prevent him from doing the, this guy's job, then uh, he should absolutely not be arrested as far as I'm concerned. Hate crimes punish motives. What we need to do is punish actions, punish actual crimes, punish people that are robbing folks, murdering folks, stabbing people. What if you're wrong about a hate crime? What if he went on this Islamophobic rant and the guy was just dark complected and was an evangelical Christian? Does that make it less of a hate crime? It's really silly. If you're a champion of the First Amendment, you gotta hope this guy doesn't get convicted. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. 
In New Jersey, they're doing something that I think is very interesting, or at least they're thinking about doing something which might be very interesting. Are you ready for this? An influential state lawmaker hopes to require age verification and parental consent for children to join social media platforms. Now, if this happens, this would make New Jersey one of just a handful of states to impose this requirement. But this is not a proposal pushed by some fringe minority assembly member. This is by a very influential member of the Democratic majority, assembly member Herb Conaway. He introduced this a couple of days ago and it would require social media platforms to verify that users are at least 18 years old and require minors to get consent to join from a parent or a guardian. It would also ban certain online messages between adults and children. The quote from Conaway says, it really has been horrific on the mental health and the physical health of our young people, particularly teenagers and particularly young girls. Conaway is the chair of the Assembly Health Committee. Utah was the first state to pass a social media age restriction bill, and it's been bracing for all sorts of legal challenges. Arkansas signed a law in April, and that's been challenged by a tech industry trade group and some First Amendment advocates, and that's been temporarily blocked by a federal judge. There's also a bill in Congress that so far hasn't advanced. A staff attorney for the New Jersey ACLU said this proposal is pretty much the same bill that was passed in Arkansas and would be unconstitutional. Look, I have a lot of concerns about this uh, from a First Amendment point of view. But we've got to do something about this because what we are seeing is a nothing less than a corporate assault that is designed to on children that is designed to get them addicted to social media. And you see that's actually programmed into the algorithm with social media entities like um, you know, like uh, Instagram, for instance. So I really think that uh, something's got to be done about this. What the something is, I don't know. I have some reservations from a civil liberties point of view, but I uh, give Herb Conaway credit for at least starting the conversation about how we should deal with the use of social media by minors. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. You know, I was talking about COVID with my uh, brother-in-law, Josh, earlier and what that meant to the country. And I don't think there's a state that felt the sting of COVID more from a public policy perspective and from a public health perspective more than New York. I think New York far and away led the world in deaths. And I recognize that we can't expect the response from every entity to be perfect. People are going to make mistakes, sometimes very big mistakes. This was sort of uncharted territory. However, what we are seeing now and what we're just learning about now is completely unacceptable. A state inspector general's investigation found that poor communication and planning by multiple government agencies contributed to a state-run home for veterans in Queens wasting, are you ready for this, more than $560,000 worth of personal protective equipment as many facilities planned for a third wave of COVID that never fully materialized. 
I realize maybe I'm doing a little Monday morning quarterbacking here, and if there was a third wave and they hadn't gotten all this per personal perspective equipment, me and others would probably be saying, oh, how come they weren't prepared? How come they weren't prepared? But what we, it looks to be the case in this Inspector General's report here is just pandemic incompetence coupled with poor communication. I recognize that this was a crisis, that people were trying to figure out how to respond to it, how the interagency personnel was going to deal with it, but I don't think it's too much to ask for these agencies to communicate with one another. You, the report of the Inspector General here says that it was simply poor communication that allowed PPE to rot under tarps during the pandemic. Forget about the money wasted, although half a million dollars is still a lot of money even when the government spend it, spends it. Think about all the people that could have been helped with the use of masks, gowns, gloves, other personal protective uh, equipment, and yet because these agencies, the Department of Health, the Office of General Services, the State Veterans Home, couldn't speak with one another properly and in a fine manner, this is all gone. It's all wasted. And the fact that the guy that was at the top of this pyramid, Andrew Cuomo, now seems to be seriously considering running for mayor of New York City, to me, this should disqualify him not only from being mayor, but in my view as a voter, this disqualifies him from holding any public office ever again. To be continued.